Good morning. Very excited about today. It's been a great day so far. Um, if you don't know, I'm Eric Smith. I'm the discipleship and outreach pastor here at Connection Church. I just want to, uh, to echo Michael. But first, I want to echo the church and just thank Michael for what he's done. Thank him for the, the man he is, the leader he is, the brother he is, the friend he is, the shepherd he is, uh, and, and thank his wife for all that she does too. And I, and I want to echo you in, in thanking the spouses because um, I know what we would, we would, would and wouldn't be without them because they fill in the gaps when, when we do what we're doing, and, and they correct us when we need to be corrected. They're sounding boards. They're a calming presence. So I'm very thankful for, for definitely my wife, and, and I know every other leader is thankful for their spouse and, and what they do and what they sacrifice as well um, for, for what God has, has called us all into, and, and so thankful for a church that, that would even think of me at all and, and Bridget and so I'm grateful for that, and thank you so much for that. And, and Michael, thank you for the man you are. Um, again, I'm excited about today, looking forward to, to this fall festival, looking forward to this chili cook-off, and, and who's going to take the, the six-foot trophy home? Is anybody confident? Anybody confident? Okay, I see, a couple of, I, I see a couple of humble hands being raised, so that's great. I just want to let you know a couple of things about this chili cook-off. I am blessed to have the majority of my family go into this place. Um, and, and then a lot of our friends have, are, are attending here as well. So in the political world, the Smiths and all of their associates are what you would call a swing state. <laughs> and so we can be bought. And I just want to let you know that, just in case, depending on, you know, I know those are humble hands and we got confidence, but just in case you need that little edge, come talk to me when nobody's looking, it's fine. But I am. I'm excited about excited about what God's doing here, and and the vision that God's called us into, and and where He's calling us to, and, and just looking forward to the future, and and so thankful for a church that actually is thinking about the future and thinking about where God wants to take us, and and uh, and, and so as we get into Acts eight, there's no way we can talk about Acts eight without talking about the word missionary. There's no way we can look at it. No way we can look at a lot that happens in Acts from here on out without talking about the word missionary. But I do, I want to break down that word before we really get into it. And I want to give you the definition of missionary. It's a person sent on a religious mission, especially one sent to promote, to promote Christianity in a foreign country. Now, here's the thing that we do know. Missionary is never used in the Bible. Sent ones is used plenty. But the word missionary is a word that, that we don't use or see in the Bible, but it's a word we use. And, and it's good for reference. It's good for, for helping us to sort of identify. But does that make it a bad word because it's not used in, in Scripture? Or does it make it a bad word that, that we've sort of used it for reference? Because what we've done by defining missionary this way is we've sort of caused a divide that the only missionary is the one who's on foreign ground. If they're not touching foreign soul, if they're not in a place where they're facing cultural barriers, language barriers, socioeconomic barriers, if they're not in a place where no one's heard the gospel of Jesus, then they're not a missionary. And we've divided that and we've created that, that thought process that 
oh, that person's a missionary. Oh, I can see that person's definitely called into being a missionary. Man, you can see their heart. Just look at how they are. Look at how they serve. Look at their passion for the lost. That person's a missionary. Man, can't you just see it all over them? But that's not really the case, and that's why we say time and time and time again here that every single one of us is a missionary. We're all missionaries because we're all called to the same command. We're all called to the same great commission. We're all called into what Jesus called us into, and so that removes that line that we like to draw to go, those people are missionaries, and I'm just going to do what God called me to do here. That's not the case. We are all missionaries. We are all called into that one thing that Jesus called us to right before he ascended. We have that truth. We have that, that confidence that has uh, been given to us because Jesus and all the authority given to him has called us into it. And he said, go, make disciples in all nations, right? That includes ours. That includes right here. That includes our neighbor's. That's not just those places far-reached. We're all missionaries. We're all called into that. And we've allowed to even define it in the dictionary as only those who are promoting Christianity in a foreign country. That's not true. We're promoting Christianity right here. We're promoting Christianity in this community. We're promoting Christianity in just a little while. So we have, to, we have to learn that where that's a good word, and there's nothing wrong with referencing people like that, we can't remove ourselves from that as well. Just because they're the ones who are going to a foreign nation, they're the ones who are reaching out, they're the ones who are boarding a plane, they're the ones who are selling everything in order to go to a place where people haven't heard the name of Jesus. We're all called to that. We're all called to more than that. And so if we're going to write a biblical definition of the word missionary, it would be simple. Someone who's on mission for God. And the hope is that's what we are. We're all on mission for God, that we're not drawing lines that that person's a missionary and I'm not a missionary because they do this and I do this. No. We can clear the waters by simply saying the one thing that would define us as a group. Wherever we are, we are on mission for God. And that's what we're called into. That's the difference. And and using the words the right way helps build it out because if I'm not careful, I'll hide in that. I'll hide in the fact that I'm not a missionary. I'm just not called. I don't have that. I haven't heard from God yet that I'm called to go to the ends of the earth. Or it's easy to hide and go, why would I step over the people that are right here just to go to them? It's easy to hide and go, I have way too many kids. That's never going to work. How am I going to pack up my entire family and go to another country? Man, my life and my structure and what God's done, all the education that he's given me, I'm better suited right here in this job than I am in the rest of the world. And it's easy to hide behind that. It's easy to hide by the fact that, that these people are called to being missionaries and I'm not. And so if the desire is that we are all on mission for God, then the question is, are we? Are we truly on mission for God? Has his mission become our mission? Have we heard the gospel of Christ? Has it transformed our heart? Has it shook everything about us and just created the need in us to go wherever he calls us to go and do whatever he's called us to do, regardless of what that looks like? And then just trust him that he'll work it out. 
Trust him that we can listen and hear and he'll respond and eventually he will let us know where it is, if that's what it is, that we should go. But for right now, the question is, are, just, are we just simply on mission for God? And if you are, you're a missionary. And it, it just clears the waters for us. And, and I really love that because I hate being able to try to figure out what's what. And, and then I don't want to give myself that opportunity to hide in that. Because guess how many kids I got? Four. Guess how busy I am? And if I'm not careful, I'll try to hide. I'll try to hide in the idea that I'm just too busy for all that. God, I'll give you everything I can as long as it fits into my box. I'll surrender all of it to you. But it just has to fit in my comfort zone. It has to line up with my goals and my dreams. It has to just fall in line with my expectations. And as long as you're willing to do that, God, I'm in. But if you begin to call me to do something that's a little uncomfortable, if you begin to push me somewhere that's a little out of my comfort zone, if you call me to a people that most of my life I just really haven't liked, I don't know about that, God. And so it's easy for me to just leave that to the missionaries. I'll just let the missionaries have it. And then I'll just keep doing what, what you and I have agreed on. And so are we doing that? Have we asked God how he will leverage our lives for the kingdom? Have we laid our yeses down and decided we're going to let him put us on the map? Have we decided that I'm a missionary because I'm on mission for him? And so we have to ask ourselves are these questions. But the main question I want to ask us this morning is, as we ask these questions, are we even listening? Are we even listening to God for an answer? Because that's important. So if you want to start looking into Acts 8, we're going to start in 1 through 8. And I'll give you some time to get there. It's going to be on the board if you don't have your Bible. But one of the things as we define this, as we lay these things out, and as we look at other people and sort of call them missionaries and not call us, it's really easy to not only hide in that, but to just go, you know what, I'm just an average person. God's really not going to call me into that. There's no way that God would use me. I don't know enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I mean, look at Michael, man. Michael's impressive. He's a leader. He's got really good hair. He's charismatic, <laughs> right? Man, he just gets up in front of people, and he seems calm, and he seems like he's got it all together, and he gets, he gets excited, but man, he just lays it all out there. I could never be Michael. There's no way in the world. Michael has to be a missionary. I'm just an average Joe, right? We're the same shape, but that's about the only thing we really have in common. I could never be Michael, you know? And it's really easy to do that. It's really easy to identify people here and go, man, that person is definitely a missionary. I'm just average old me. Man, I don't know anything. Gosh, have you heard that person just unpack the Bible? Man, have you seen them in group when they start going through Acts? I don't see the things they see. I don't hear the things they hear. I don't read what they read. I don't know what's going on, but when they read the Bible, man, they're looking at it differently than I am. There's no way I'll be a missionary. I'm too average. I don't have what it takes. And it's easy just to fall into that and to just fall into that this is what's going on, but we can't do that because there was no criteria in Matthew 28. God didn't say only these people should go. He didn't say only Michael should go or only that group leader that really knows what they're doing should go. That's not what it says. 
We are all called to it. We are all called to go and make disciples of all nations. So we have to focus in on that. And then we can look in Scripture, thank God, and it'll remind us that God is in the business of using average people. He is not afraid to use an average person. He's not afraid to use a broken person. He's not afraid to use the reject, the one that no one saw coming. God is not afraid to put his stamp on that person and to proclaim his glory to the world through that person no one would have ever thought. That's the God we serve. That's how powerful it is. It's not about whether or not you're average. The apostles were average people, fishermen, tax collectors. All those that were in the upper room, that 120, those were just people in the crowd. Those were people that are just a part of it. They were there. They were present. And God uses them. And so as we unpack Acts 8, we're, we're following after Stephen, who again was just one of the people, one of the people who was doing it, one of the people who, who were stepping up as division was beginning to happen in the church between the Hellenistic Jews and the mills being uh, given out. And so they called these people, they called these men in and said, okay, you select seven who are full of the Spirit and wisdom. And so we saw Stephen, we saw what's going on. And here's the thing, they were average, but the difference is they were already doing it. And so it was powerful to see how God just used Stephen. And now we see Philip. As Philip steps in and starts to follow and goes out, it says on, in Acts 8, 1 through 8, and Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down into a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. And so here's my first point as we go through Acts 8. The most important thing to see out of all of these people, they were obedient. They were obedient. As a great persecution broke out against the church, the apostles didn't go anywhere yet. The people did. So what does it say? As they went, they preached the word everywhere they were going. And it's the thing, I just love that, that God is a God that's so big that even as Saul is approved the killing of Stephen and engages in the persecution of the church, he's only helping the kingdom to move forward. As he pushes people out, as they begin to go, fear, fearing of persecution, that didn't stop them from doing what they were called to do. They were still obedient. They preached the word everywhere they went. And not only that, where'd they go? But they started in Judea and Samaria. Does that sound familiar? They even were obedient geographically. They were taking care of the places that Jesus said go. Leave Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then we'll see the ends of the earth. But it started with obedience, and I just love that as Saul stood there just overjoyed with the killing and, and just fired up because he was able to persecute the church and defining himself as an enemy of Christ, that all he was doing was becoming an ally with God's sovereign plan. And it's just awesome to me. It just resonates with my life because there have had a couple of moments where I'll be like, I'll show you, God. 
only to circle back around to him and go, yeah, I saw what you tried to do there. Now look. All right? Much as I fought his plan, all it did was push me farther into it. And it's just, it's powerful. And so I get excited about looking at that because that's the God we serve. He's that sovereign of a God. And so we see the gospel being preached in Judea, Samaria, just like Jesus said. And then we find Philip moving into Samaria, right? And so you remember in Acts 6, 3, it says the apostles were told to find these men who were full of spirit and wisdom. And so it was easy because they didn't have to go and find this person with a title. They didn't have to go and find, they just found men who were doing it. They found men who were already doing what God called them to do. They were already obedient and faithful. They weren't looking for some term or they weren't, they weren't waiting to be called missionaries. They were already doing it. They weren't waiting on a title. They weren't looking for someone to affirm them in a title because a lot of times that's what that is. I obviously can't be the leader you're calling me into because you haven't called me that yet. You haven't affirmed me in that yet. And so why would I step into leadership? I'm nervous. I don't know if I know enough. I don't know if I'll challenge people in the wrong way. I don't, what if I let somebody down? I'm scared to step into this leadership because I need someone to affirm me in a title. I need someone to tell me that this is, is who I am. This is, this is what I'm called to. I need someone to confirm me, make me feel better about me, give me the title that's going to make me feel better about what you've called me to, God. And if you don't give me that title, then it's hard for me to do it because I don't know if I can do it. And isn't that just trusting in your own power anyways? Isn't that just seeking affirmation from man because they've given you a title? Okay, you're a group leader now, go. Instead of just being passionate about what God's called us to and what he's doing in connect groups. Instead of participating fully, coming prepared and excited, not being afraid to post something if God puts it on my heart as I'm reading his word and journaling and going, hey God, I don't know if this works for y'all, but man, God laid this on my heart and I don't care if any of you need it, I just wanna post it. But I, I'm not a group leader, so I can't do that. I'm not called to that. I'm not a missionary, so I can't go do these things. I can't preach the gospel to someone. I'm not, I haven't been called an evangelist yet. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. If you've been called by Christ, you've been called to be an evangelist. You have. And, and I do it. I, I'm fearful. I'm afraid. I need that title to affirm me. I need that title to kind of confirm who I am and to give me a confidence in what God's called me to. I need that a title to be a, obedient because without the title, I'm nothing. I'll never be the man God called me to be if I'm not a group leader, if I haven't been identified as a pastor yet, if I haven't done all this stuff. I'll never be able to reach people for the sake of them knowing Christ. It's not on us anyways. But this is the truth. You have been given a title. All of us have. We've been called sons and daughters of the Most High God. We've been called royal priest. We've been affirmed in our salvation. We've been called the apple of God's eye. We know that our name is written on his hand. We're co-heirs with Christ. We've been given title after title after title in God's word. We've been reminded of his promises, and he's told us these things time and time again of who we are in him, but it's not the leader that I'm looking for. It's not the word I'm looking for. It's not the missionary. So God, I'll do it whenever you affirm me in that and you give me these spaces. But we've already been given wonderful titles. 
I'm a son of the Most High God. That's all I need to be on mission with him. I don't need to be affirmed in that because I know what God has called me. I know how God sees me. And so as Philip steps into this place, he doesn't let a title, he doesn't let something like that hold him back. He doesn't let the cultural boundaries hold him back. He doesn't let the long, long history of animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans hold him back. He doesn't let any of that stuff stop him. He's just obedient. He just goes because that's what God has called us to do. He just steps out in faith and trusts that it's not on him anyways. He trusts in the power of the Spirit. Why? Because when he was identified, who was he? A man full of the Spirit. And because he was obedient, because he was faithful to the Spirit, he grew in wisdom and understanding. And he was bold and courageous, but he was average at best, and God used him to do miraculous things, and the city found joy. We don't have to be defined as something special You're already special because of what God did for you in the cross. Man, that power of that message and what that does for me, the confidence to be obedient because I have a cross that claims victory. I have an empty tomb that claims victory. I have Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, intercessing for me, praying for me on my behalf. Like the song said, the victory's already won. I don't have to worry about the title. I just have to be obedient. So let's get down to to Acts 8, 25 through 40, and let's get into it real quick. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all treasury of the Kandake. I think I'm saying that right, but I could be wrong, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man has gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please. Or the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, Here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And so this is the next point. If we're going to be obedient, are we listening? You can't be obedient to something you're not hearing. You can't be obedient to a word of God that you're not listening, that you're not looking for, that you're not reading in his scripture. You're not, you're not pushing in to find him and what he's calling us to. 
And it's not always going to come in the form of some giant sign that just falls from heaven and goes, this is what I want you to do. It's not always going to come in an affirmation of some title. Sometimes God just whispers to us. He just whispers, and he begins to plant that seed, and he begins to call us into something that we may not see the end of it yet, but we have to hear it and be obedient for us to really fully step into it and go where God called us to do and do what he says do, and then watch him glorify himself in it and continue to push the kingdom forward. It wasn't like Philip woke up this morning and God said, go out there and jump on that chariot right there. He was a ways away. Like what he was called into and where he was called to go, nobody goes. It was like somebody saying, go to Clio. I know some of you live in Clio and you like the peace and you like the quiet of Clio, but Clio's entirely too far away from Walmart for me. Who wants to go to Clio? Man, it's a long ways to get there. It feels like it's forever. But Clio's great and I don't want to make it sound like that because I do know we got a couple people who live in Clio out here. But if you're from Effingham, you know, Clio, you don't want to go to Clio. Nobody wants to go to Clio. But that's the thing. Philip's in the same place. You want me to go where? I mean, this is a lonely road. This is where nobody is. It's not like we're going to go down there and there's a heavy traffic flow. It's not like we're going to get there and people are just hustling and bustling. And man, it's just going to be like shoot fish in a barrel with the gospel. There was no guarantees anybody was going to be there. And this was days before he even got there. But he was listening. He was listening. He wasn't waiting on some title. He wasn't waiting on some huge thing to just fall out of the sky and go, go here. He heard God. And part of the reason why God whispers to us is because in order for me to hear you whispering, I have to do what? I have to get in close, right? I have to get in close so I can hear you. And so as we push in, as we squeeze into God, as we're listening to God, he calls us to this place, and then he, says, he gets there, and he goes, okay, now go get on this chariot. Go get, run beside this chariot. And when you're picturing this, you need to picture this for what it is. This wasn't like a, a big old golden chariot with wheels and a couch and all this stuff. This was a couch on a platform being carried by men. So everywhere they went, they would hoist him up, and he would sit on the couch, and they would walk with him. And, and he's coming from... Um, Africa, which was a very long distance, and so these guys have journeyed a very long ways, but he comes excited because he's heard something about this God of the Israelites. He's heard something that's enticed him. He's heard, heard something that's got him excited, and as he comes to worship, as he comes to learn, um, there's one thing that he can't overcome. He's a eunuch, which means for him to serve the queen, he had to be castrated. And so that's a sacrifice for any man. But it's, it's something that he has to do in order to spend as much time as he's going to spend with her and not have any ideas going on in the back of his mind that would distract him from what he's called to. But the problem is, if you are thinking or, or just going over in your heart, if you're considering stepping over into Judaism, we have a very hard problem. And it's circumcision. And so... A man who knows God, a man who, who wants to serve God, who wants to take on what he sees, he's, he's realized this God is greater than his God, and he wants to follow him, and he has a heart, and he's excited, and he goes a long distance to worship and learn more, and he gets there, and he finds out, we're sorry, no eunuchs allowed. You can't step into this place. And so where does he find himself? On the outside looking in. Man, I would love to follow God. 
man, I would love to serve Jesus. Man, I would love to do all these things, and, and I can't because I'm on the outside looking in. Does that sound familiar? How many of us find ourselves in that place where we feel like we're on the outside looking in, and this one thing keeps us from ever knowing Jesus, from ever coming close to God? And so he hadn't even heard the message of gospel or the gospel yet, but he stands there excited about God. He has a scripture he's trying to read and he's trying to understand it. He's trying to learn and kind of grow. And in the back of his mind, he's always understanding, I'll never really get there. I'll never be able to be fully what God has called me to be. I'll never be in a full, right relationship with God because my physical, my appearance, the things that have happened to me in my life, the things that I've done are holding me back from him. But Philip listened, and he was obedient. He went, and he heard, and he climbs upon this chariot after he asked him, what is this that you're reading? Do you understand it? He heard his opportunity and took it. He wasn't held back by any kind of title. And so he gets up, and, and as the eunuch's reading out loud, he's listening for God. One of my favorite things to say about John Piper is something he always says. If you ever want to hear from God audibly, just read the Bible out loud right? And I always say it because it's great, because I get called in that, man, I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. But we're never listening. We're never getting into his word and going, okay, God, what are you telling me? We're never praying and going, okay, God, I'm going to hush for just a minute and quit asking you for things. I'm just going to listen for a second. I'm going to quit giving you my list of stuff for you to be my errand boy, and I'm just going to listen. You just talk to me, God. You just work in my heart, and you just tell me where you want me to go. What do you want me to do? And I'll just step into that space and just trust you that you're going to fill every void that is in me. And wherever you're calling me to, wherever you're sending me to, you want to glorify yourself in that space. I don't have to worry about my own power because you've given me the power of the Holy Spirit. I already have the victory. I hear you, God, and I'm going to go. I'm going to do that. I'm going to listen to you. In Revelations 3, 20 through 22, it says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my right, on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on a throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And, and so this is uh, um, a letter addressed to the church at Laodicea. And what he's kind of reminding them is, is where they started out giving and surrendering everything to God, they had sort of become lukewarm. They quit being completely faithful. They quit being completely surrendered to Christ. And they started setting these boundaries and going, okay, well, I will do this and I won't do that. And he says, I would rather you be hot or cold, one or the other. It's the lukewarm that's killing me because you're only halfway in with everything that you do. You're never really fully out and you're never really fully in because you won't die to yourself and give it all to me. You won't surrender everything that you want for everything I want because you know what I want is better. And it's gonna be better for you and you're gonna be better because of it and you're gonna grow and you're gonna be used mightily for my namesake and because of your surrender, because of you going all in, people will know my name and their lives will be changed and they'll find hope and they'll find joy. They'll find that even though they're standing on the outside looking in, I made a way. I made a way for that person to be set free from their sin and their shame, to be set free from their guilt of what they've done, to be set free from the bondages of sin, to be set free from death. I made a way. But are we listening? 
And so he goes through Isaiah 53 and, and he explains the gospel message. He hears the truth of Jesus. And he's so excited by it. He's so fired up by it that he's like, there's water right here. Do you think that we can just go ahead and, and jump in? I'm ready to declare my freedom. I'm ready to declare my victory in Christ. I'm ready to declare my allegiance to him. I'm ready to declare that he is king, that he is on the throne of my life. I am ready to surrender all for his sake. Put me in this water and baptize me. He is so excited and so ready to get on mission with God. He's not waiting for a title. He's not waiting to be called missionary. He just wants to go. And he's excited. And so him and Philip go down and Philip baptizes him. And then I'll let you work your theology out on the rest of that, but I'll just go ahead and tell you, Star Trek was late to the party on teleportation. Go work it out however you want to, but that's what my scripture tells me. He was there one second and then he was gone the next and it wasn't the only time it happened. And I trust in the power of that. I don't know what it means. I have no idea how to explain it, but I trust it when it says it. And so the eunuch comes back, and he's excited, and now he's jumping up on the, the, his chariot of men, and he begins to just explain the gospel and what he just heard and explain what he just did, because you know those guys are like, what are you doing? What the heck is this? And so what we know from historians and, and what Michael started with was the fact that that eunuch and his men went back to start the first church in Africa. We never know what our listening is going to lead to. We never know what following after the Holy Spirit and trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit is going to lead to. We never know what it's going to do in the life of someone who's on the outside looking in and how it could change everything for them. And because of that, now the nations have been reached. It's not just one little thing. It's all in obedience and faithfulness to God. And his plan that he laid out sovereignly is being accomplished by average people. People who just are going, man, I can't hear God, but I never read the Bible. What a shame that we constantly go, I never hear from God, and our Bible gets dust on our bedside table. Right? Because he's promised us this truth. He's promised us this in Christ. And he didn't have to be super famous. He just went through the scriptures with him. He didn't have to go through all these things and all these scholarly points and didn't have to win over all this stuff. All he had to do was be faithful and listen. We're going to close with this. In Matthew 16, 17 through 19, it says, Jesus replied to, to Peter, he said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of, Jonah, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And the worship team can kind of can go ahead and come on up. Think of that. God said, on you I will build my church. Peter, I have a lot of Peter's traits. Just ask somebody, an average person that God used. What was the thing that, that made him, in this moment, the person God wanted to build his church on? He was the only one out of all of them that said, you're the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the Savior of the world. You are the one that was foretold in Isaiah. You are the one that, was, that we were told was going to come. You are Christ, our King, our Savior, our God. He gave 
his life to that. And because of that, he said, this is the king, keys to the kingdom. Heaven was unlocked for him. And when Philip listened, when he was obedient, when he was faithful, and he heard and he followed, and he didn't know the end from the beginning like God does, but he was faithful, the eunuch was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven because he proclaimed Jesus as Messiah. He was set free from standing on the outside looking in. It didn't take a missionary term to do that. It didn't take a pastor. It didn't take some special title. It just took a leader who was willing to go on mission with God, to listen, be faithful, and obedient. And so this morning, there may be somebody in this place that that's sort of how you're feeling right now. That maybe you've heard of this God. Maybe you've seen all these people in here and their excitement, their joy when they're worshiping and praying. Maybe you just have felt that urge and knowing that something's just not right, that even though I think I know God, or maybe even because I think I'm a good person, I've never really done anything wrong, why wouldn't I go to heaven? The truth is that it's clearly defined in the Bible that the only way to God is through the Son, that we have to have a faith moment with Jesus. We have to not only believe in our hearts, but confirm with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I'm gonna give you an opportunity if that's you this morning. There are gonna be people on the sides that, that wanna pray with you. If you wanna um, spend some time after this talk, and don't leave this place if that's you. Or you may have been in church your whole life and you're just beginning to see that maybe I'm not the person that I thought I was. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do, but I just know that something's not right with me and Jesus this morning. And I wanna tell you, pride, the enemy, fear, fear of man is gonna try to get in the way of all of that stuff. But there is no shame in us declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord no matter where you are or how long you've sat in a church. And so this morning, if you're that person, if you have never confirmed and confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, I want you to raise your hand. And if you do, I promise this place is going to erupt in celebration because the Bible tells us heaven erupts in celebration in that moment where a child of God comes home. So if that's you, will you raise your hand this morning? If today is today to declare your salvation, to be set free, today is the day you're tired of being on the outside looking in and you want to come in. If that's you, just raise your hand. Amen. And for the rest of us, that doesn't stop us from feeling like we're on the outside looking in. That doesn't stop us from maybe hiding, waiting on a title, waiting on somebody to affirm me with a word. That doesn't stop us from, from just setting out in fear because if I do start listening, then it might actually mean that I land up in Thailand or I land in Sri Lanka or I land in the Middle East or, or East India or Indonesia or all these places that we know people are desperate for the gospel and every day 60,000 of them are dying never having confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if my heart begins to burn for that, then that might mean God wants me to go do that. And that's scary. And so I'm just gonna go, that's for missionaries. Or maybe the fear is just going down the street to your neighbor. There's just as many cultural boundaries and barriers and language barriers and everything else. But this altar is here.
If you want to come and get on your face and just thank God that he's called you into his mission, let's do that. If you want to come and repent and confess that maybe I've been hiding and I'm ready to get on board with what you're calling us to as a church. I'm ready to go on mission with you, God. I want to give you the sole throne of my life. I'm tired of being lukewarm. I'm ready to be on fire for you. These people want to pray with you. They're excited. They've been anxious about it all morning. They've already been praying for you. But if you just want to come lay anything before God and trust in the power of confession and repentance and let his grace and love wash over you, this is a special time. This is no place that, that is for fear. This is no place of condemnation. This is no place of, of hurt and pain. This is a place where we lay down those things and we get up free where we rejoice and we praise God, we get excited about what he's doing, this is a place where we can hear from him. Today might be the day that you actually start listening to what God has called us to. But this is your time. I'm so thankful for, for being here and as the band leads us in worship, this is yours. God bless you.